Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 129. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about throwing today. Before we do that, we're going to talk about the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. And as we always say, please make sure you take advantage of that EFP20 discount, whether you're getting a baseball, softball, or fast pitch bat. You can get that savings, and anytime you do, it uh, definitely benefits us with everything fast pitch. Also, we would love for you to go to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. If you feel that uh, there's value in what we're doing, if you would like to become a patron, Coach Don and I would really appreciate it. And we've got a great group of patrons that have kept us rolling to this point in time. But if you're in a position where you can help us by becoming a patron, we would certainly appreciate your support. There's three different monthly levels, and it's all explained to you when you go to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. So, Don, here's a thought that we need to make sure that we share with our coaches, because this is something that falls into this category of things that's really been aggravating me. Throwing hard does not mean a player is necessarily throwing well. They're two distinct different categories, right? Yeah. We've got somebody that can throw very hard, but again, receiving it and having to leave a bag or receiving it and having to miss a tag, all those things can be game-changing. Right. Yeah. Well, the thing that I keep seeing is that throwing, again, is one of those things that too many of our coaches are undervaluing. They're not working hard enough on it. Honestly, I think a big part of it is because for many of us, we just don't feel like we have enough expertise, enough knowledge to really make some of the fine-tuning adjustments the kids need to make. I've had the good fortune of working with a bunch of coaches that are really good at teaching throwing, and so I've had a chance to pick some stuff up over time that gives me a little bit more confidence that I can work with a kid even though they're throwing the ball really hard to show them some things and give them some things to think about that will hopefully make them a little bit more accurate or a little bit more consistent. I keep seeing over and over again that a player has just got a cannon of an arm, but she's throwing it with you know some sort of crazy spin or some sort of you know crazy whip in her arm. Because she's throwing it hard, we just kind of write it off as, well, that's okay. Look how fast it's going. It'll come around. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think we know better. And, and Don, you made a very important point. Imagine you're the person on the other end of that throw that you have really no idea how it's going to fly, you know, what kind of spin it has, what kind of break it ultimately is going to have, you know, because it's just like throwing a breaking pitch in baseball. If I'm throwing overhand at a really high speed and I put some crazy spin on the ball, that ball's not flying straight. It's like when that catcher throws to second base and it's curving like a, a banana. or a, Yeah, it, yeah. It, it carries you back into the sliding runner and the shortstop gets killed every single time she does make a play. <laughs> right. You know? Or the first baseman's terrorized because she knows you know, the third baseman's going to be throwing at 80 miles an hour but has no idea where it's going when it's going 80 miles an hour. Or as you said, you know, the, the catcher's throw that's got a crazy tail on it. Or the outfield throw that looks like she's throwing it really hard but it does take the long hop and it turns right and goes into the dugout instead of going straight and going to the catcher. With a crazy spin. Right. Yeah. So coaches, that's our, our challenge to all of you. 
because I think that this is something that every team has at least one player who's got an absolute cannon but doesn't throw the ball correctly. And because they're throwing the ball so hard with so much velocity, we try to... Don't write it off. Yeah, we, we, we don't dig into it enough because we're almost like it's like we're afraid we might take some of that velocity away if we throw, teach her how to throw better. And unfortunately, I think that that's a trap that's, that's causing a lot of aggravation and a lot of trouble for teams and honestly shortchanging some players who could very easily become much better, much more consistent with a little bit extra help. So the one step back to take two forward right. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. No, and I know uh, we've talked a few times about uh, presenting a target when we're playing catch. You know, if you aim small, miss small, I guess is a, you know something some people say, but presenting a target or giving them something small to shoot at rather than just around their body. If you're playing catch and you get it anywhere near them, if they don't have to take two steps, then it was a good throw. That's not necessarily the case that, that we want to try and get away from that and get to a point where, you know, we're only having to move our glove just slightly. Right. And that might be at a 80%. And then you push the power dial up a little, 85. And then if we start getting wild, then we'll back it down until we can hit that spot again. And right. if we are conscientiously or asking the kids to present a target, then they, you know, get to evaluate each throw when they're warming up too. Right. Well, one of the things that uh, we started doing with uh, a lot of our drill work is putting a ball on a tee, trying to set the tee at about yeah. the height that would be a reasonable, reasonable height for the first baseman to catch or for the shortstop or second baseman to handle on a on a, a flip for a double play or for the catcher to make a tag play at the plate. And, you know, setting that height and setting that ball on the tee and then using that as a target so that the players started, as you said, aiming small. If they think that they can just throw it in the catch net, and that's going to be good enough, then that's what they're going to do. If they start to realize that the target has to be much smaller, that they have to be aiming for a much more specific spot, then I think that just mentally helps them see the value in it a little bit more. It also is a great way to encourage them to make the changes. If, it, you know, if it's a ball, it looks like it's getting close to the target, but then it you know, sails a little bit or it tails off a little bit or it's got you know, a funky spin at the end. You can start to point to it and say, well, you see how close you are? If we could you know, fix this in your throwing or change this in your throwing so that the ball flies straighter, that you're going to start hitting that target more often. You know, if we start to you know, give them a way to see the result a little bit more clearly and then encourage them to use the fact that the results might not be as accurate as they're hoping for that they thought they were going to be as a way to tr- kind of trick them into, for lack of a better way of saying it, yep. tr- trick them into working on the stuff that they need to to get better at throwing more accurately. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I know you mentioned the, the catch net. We've mm-hmm. talked about this a few times on the podcast, but um, you know whether you're putting a piece of tape on the catch net or um, creating a box for them to try and throw in, I love the ball on a tee. I think that's a, a great plan for sure. Could even be a bigger ball. I mean, right. if you you're know, working with smaller kids, you could put a basketball yeah, on the tee put, or something like that. Yep, something a little, little uh, easier for them to attain a, a win. Yep. by getting it, but uh, you know, to to make make that target, establish a target, create it where it's getting smaller and smaller as they get more skilled, and uh, you know, making them work for it. Right. Yeah. And and we started using it for every single type of throw that we would be working on. So some of it might be you know just fielding a ground ball and throwing it across the field. Some of it might be feeding the second baseman on a double play ball. You know, the throw to the catcher who has to make a tag play, the throw to a catcher who's trying to get a force out at home and then handle the ball and throw it to first. You know, so that the target 
can move, you know, to the point of, you know, here's exactly where the catcher would want this throw if she's going to receive your throw from third and wheel and throw the runner out at first. This is exactly where she wants to, feel, you know, get the throw if you're throwing it from the pitcher to, you know, catch it, get the force out at home, and then throw it to first. And we started making it really competitive, you know, that, uh, you know, we would set a, you know, certain amount of time and a certain number of direct hits would have to happen. Again, as you said, Don, adjusted a little bit as, uh, to the skill level. If you've got really young players that are just learning how to throw, it might be one person knocks the basketball off the tee. Attainable but challenging. And then we move yeah. to the next drill. For you know the players that I'm working with with this t- uh, particular team, you know we need to get five in a minute, right? You know, or, or five in two minutes. We need to get you know three in thirty seconds. You know, and so the, the the pace is active. They're you know they're getting enough repetition, but they're also getting feedback over and over and over again. And what we saw very very quickly is when we first started doing it, we'd have two or three kids would have to get all the hits. Right. Would have to be the, would have to be the one to the hit ones, the target the five sure. times in a minute because the other nine kids had no chance because their throws were you know barely hitting the net or were barely hitting the catch net part of the net and then all of a sudden because the other kids saw that they were struggling with it you know they were paying more attention they were focusing more they were working harder at trying to be more accurate it's one of those crazy things I think you know whether you're knowledgeable enough about coaching throwing to jump right into the deep end of the pool and, and, and show a player what they need to do to correct their deficiencies. If you give them a target like that to aim for, just their own personal motivation, their own personal you know, wanting to be better at it motivates them to work harder at it. And so you might, again, you know, get the result that you're after. You might see a kid who changes the angle of their arm a little bit or changes the you know, the way that they're releasing the ball a little bit because, you know, they've had enough trial and error with it. Now, wait a second, I keep doing the same thing and I keep missing. Right. So maybe if I try something else, now some kids will never get to that point, but more and more what I saw is some of the kids that really improved their accuracy, I never pulled them aside and said, hey, we need to change the way you're gripping the ball or we need to change the way you're releasing your throw or the angle that your arm's at when you're throwing. We never did any of that with them, but all of a sudden they started, you know, then they were on the group of, six kids who would knock the ball off the tee. Could get it. And then all of a sudden it was nine kids. Now, we still have a couple of kids that have a long way to go before they're going to hit it very often. But it was a, a really simple way to help improve this weakness without having it be some, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're going to have to do these same 15 boring drills over and over and over again because Sally can't throw very well. Well, and that's where I was just going to say, it's kind of exciting. That's fun. That's, you know, a competition maybe, even right. if it's within a competition within yourself. But it's a competition. It's something you can kind of measure too as a coach. Right. If we're just watching throws go across the infield constantly, yeah, the first baseman moved. They got it though. We probably would have got the out. You know, that kind of thing. If we're being picky perfect, that that good throw is the one, just like you said, if you're the runner's leaving second and first baseman receives it, if it's a good throw, I've got a much better chance of making a throw to get that lead runner going to third. Right. You know, or the catcher, the force at home, and then get the next force at first base. Right. Well, and I think your point's yeah. an important one, Don. So that some, some of what we're really after with this is not that we make the primary play. Not because just get an out. Yeah, we might yeah. make the primary play even with a bad throw because our first baseman might dig it out of the dirt. She might you know, stretch and, and save the throw. She might jump high enough to catch it and still come down on the bag before the runner gets there. But what we're thinking about now is that that throw from the shortstop is so accurate that the first baseman can catch it and throw home. 
can catch it and throw to third quickly and yeah. easily and and make that secondary play that mm-hmm. that that next level play that if she's you know fighting for her life over there and, and scared to death and afraid you know that every time the shortstop throws with the ball she has no idea where it's going she's not thinking about well after I make this play we checked the runner I've got a shot at her at third she's over there in Am total jumping? <laughs> in defense mode hoping yeah. you, know, you know I pray to God I catch this ball so we might get an out right. instead of hey we're getting two outs out of this play because I know the throw is going to be chest high it's going to hit me in the glove I'm going to be able to you know, receive this, pop right off the bag, and make a great throw to third instead yeah. of the, oh, my gosh, you know, is she even going to have a chance to catch this throw feeling that we see so often? And so, coaches, but it, some of it comes back to us again, and I think it's, it's just human nature that I, I don't want to try to fix it because I might mess her up worse. I don't want to coach that one because I might mess her up. You know, I hear it more about hitting than any place else. Well, she's such a great hitter. I don't want to say anything to her because I might screw her up. Well, if she's that great of a hitter, you won't screw her up. You're just going to give her one more thing to think about that's going to make her an even greater hitter. Even better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If she's got a cannon of an arm, but it's not accurate, what do we have to lose by helping her become more accurate? If she's throwing the ball away one out of every 10, that's way too many in, in my world. If five of the other nine that get made are because the first baseman's pulling some sort of miracle rabbit out of her hat, to save her life from you know from ending because the ball might have taken her head off or, or you know broken her leg or whatever if she didn't catch it you know it, it's just kind of a, a a no-brainer to me that we need to improve those things so even if getting getting better means that we've got to slow things down and and back off on I always call it the power dial but right. if we have to back off a little bit and in an effort to get better at the hole then let's do that too right yeah. and 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 the perfect example is think about turning the double play if your third baseman's throwing a missile to your second baseman that she has to fight to catch Hot she's not turning there. any double plays yeah, yeah. if it's an 80% throw that still gets the lead runner and gets to her quickly that she can handle easily and turn the pivot very, very effectively, all of a sudden we start seeing double plays. That makes up for taking 20% off. Right, yeah. and that's the, that's the whole moral the to balance. the story. So yeah. coaches, throwing hard does not equal throwing well. If we've got a kid who throws hard but she doesn't throw well, we've got to jump into the deep end of the pool and start trying to save her from herself. Let's make it happen. All right, so that's going to wrap up number 129. If you have any questions, ideas, suggestions, make sure you reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Go to the fastpitchprep.com website, order your Square Cuts training discs, check out the blogs, check out the YouTube channel. And as always, make sure you reach out to Coach Don and I with the things you want us to talk about because we're always looking for topics. For Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tory saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.